0: Good morning, I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Friday, March 2nd. In today's news, momentum slows for new gun laws. The National Security Advisor is on thin ice. And the Justice Department Inspector General is about to release a report that slams the former deputy director of the FBI. But first, the big idea. President Trump is triangulating on trade. Trump campaigned like a populist, but he's mostly governed like a plutocrat. On trade, though, he's decided to follow his populist id. Trump has few core convictions. He's been all over the place on almost every issue. Trade is the biggest exception. The president has consistently agitated for protectionism since at least the 1970s, and it was a signature theme of his insurgent candidacy. On Thursday, he followed through on his campaign rhetoric by announcing that he will slap tariffs of 25% on foreign-made steel and 10% on aluminum. The markets and congressional Republicans were shocked because they didn't think he would go through with it. After all, his views have been so fungible on so much else. But Trump's belief that Americans have been suckered by bad trade deals turned out to be more deeply held than they realized. For once, Trump is thinking more about delivering for the blue-collar workers in the Rust Belt who got him to the Oval Office than placating the corporatists who have controlled his adopted party for generations. The president went ahead with his surprise announcement, which White House aides just hours before said he wouldn't make, after Gary Cohn, his top economic advisor, threatened to resign. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin told Trump that the stock market gains he loves to boast about would reverse themselves. Defense Secretary Jim Mattis, who Trump's normally inclined to defer to, warned him that this would hurt U.S. relationships with allies. Companies that use steel and aluminum, including automakers, account for vastly more jobs than producers of the metals, and they argued that as many as 200,000 jobs were lost when George W. Bush imposed steel tariffs in 2002. Those tariffs were later ruled to be illegal. Just as much as protectionism is a core conviction for Trump, Open markets are gospel for many Republicans. It's one of the issues that Republican lawmakers have been most willing to publicly break with him on. Many GOP senators are angry not just about the announcement of the tariffs, but also that they got no heads up that they were coming. Meanwhile, Democrats from the industrial Midwest are enthusiastic and applauding the news. This is a reminder that Trump got to the Oval Office because he triangulated. His success during the GOP primaries came when he positioned himself against the party establishment. And then his success in the general election came when he ran as the voice of what he called the forgotten man. Polls show that one of the most popular things he did during his first year in office was cut a deal with Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, the Democratic leaders, to raise the debt ceiling and fund the government over GOP objections. Looking beyond the politics, though, most experts across the ideological spectrum agree that these new Trump tariffs will hurt the United States economy more than they help. The prices of many products, including beer and cars, are likely to rise. Trump's move under a little-used national security provision of U.S. trade law is also going to trigger legal challenges by China, the European Union, Canada, Brazil, and others. Agriculture has historically been a top target for retaliatory trade actions, and U.S. farm groups are worried that this time will be no different. But the president tweeted Friday morning that, quote, trade wars are good and easy to win. We'll see. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, the momentum for meaningful action on guns is fading fast. Congress is leaving Washington after having done nothing to counteract systemic gun violence or improve school safety. The Senate had been working on a modest bill that would encourage states to provide information to the federal background check database, but lawmakers haven't been able to untangle objections to it. And Mitch McConnell says he won't bring it up for a vote next week. Meanwhile, Trump is cozying back up to the National Rifle Association. He had dinner with leaders of the group on Thursday night. Afterwards, both sides said it went exceptionally well and that they're on the same page. That's a very different message than the one we heard from the president at a Wednesday meeting with lawmakers. Meanwhile, the March for Our Lives, organized by the survivors of the Parkland shooting, can't proceed on the National Mall as planned. Their request conflicted with another permit that had already been granted. Now the march organizers are looking to move the rally to another location. Number two, National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster could leave his role as soon as next month. Trump thinks the Army General is too rigid in his thinking, and McMaster has long seemed eager to leave his difficult-to-work-with boss. Officials in the West Wing say McMaster once even stormed out and threatened to quit in front of his staff. But logistics have held up McMaster's departure. Trump's had trouble finding a replacement who would be qualified and willing to take the job, which is amazing when you think about it. And McMaster may not have anywhere to go in the army because of his rank. He's a three-star general and he'd need a post that a three-star general needed to fill. Oftentimes, those kinds of movements take months. The net result of all of this is that the White House is left with one of the weakest national security councils in history. Number three. An upcoming report from the Justice Department Inspector General on the Hillary Clinton email probe is expected to criticize former FBI Director Andrew McCabe for making improper disclosures to the media. Investigators found that McCabe authorized the disclosure of information to a Wall Street Journal reporter, who now works at the Post, for a detailed 2016 story that examined feuding inside the FBI and Justice Department. Those probing the matter believe that McCabe, who has been a consistent target of Trump's ire, misled them when they initially inquired about the subject, though it's not clear exactly how he did so. And insiders say that McCabe strongly disputes that he intentionally misled them. And that's The Daily 202 for Friday, March 2nd. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. I'm James Holman, and I'll talk to you on Monday. Hi, I'm Mike Rosenwald. If you're looking for something new to add to your morning routine, try Retropod. Every weekday morning, we'll explore a story about a surprising moment in history. To learn how to listen on your Amazon Echo, Google Home, or your favorite podcast player, visit WashingtonPost.com slash Retropod.